comic timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network, Network bitch. <laughs> Print it. Welcome to episode 161 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast voted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Ian Levinson and a rotating panel of guests discuss whatever comes to mind, time after time, here on Comic Timing. Ian and Chris wrap up the New York Comic Con 2014. We talk cosplay. We talk the convention itself. We talk what was great and what could have been better. And we talk panels. 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 Including some stuff that you're probably not going to see for months to come. But Ian saw it because of Marvel Unlimited Plus. <laughs> Here now, comic timing. Well, we interrupt this uh, DV, well, not DVR, this cable performance of Major League to have Comic Timing episode 161 the day after New York Comic Con. We're just going to keep Major League on in the background because it's fun to watch it with the sound off. <laughs> Hi, Chris. I could just turn the TV off. You've seen this movie. Many, many times. Ooh, ooh, ooh look. Now, now they're doing the, the leg fold and the clap. It's, it's funny. It's funny because it's Major League. He's, he's just laughing because I'm actually like quoting some of the lines when it's muted. Like, we're a Major League Baseball team. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you've seen a movie. Well, you said, what, like seven times? I said 20. You said 20? Jeez. I don't know. This, the, this movie came out in 1988, so yeah. you do the math. Yeah. I was four. <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> So, uh, New York Comic Con, it's come and gone. Uh, it, uh, this was my first year since the first one, not being behind a table. It was weird actually being able to do whatever I wanted without having to actually, uh, you know, worry about the table being manned or whatever. I mean, you've, you've left the table before, or like sometimes be like, oh, nobody's here to watch it. Man, I'll just close my laptop and walk <laughs> away. Nothing could possibly go wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah don't laugh at me i'm not laughing at you but but yes you 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 are, you are correct that that i have i have walked away from the table before but you know now i didn't even have to worry about the, the laptop getting stolen or anything like that when i wasn't around nobody wants to steal that laptop it's true it's a piece of shit it's a horrible horrible dell laptop don't buy mac <laughs> i won't buy mac but yeah the, the, so now it's bigger than uh, than san diego huh that's what multiple sites have been saying i I didn't pull up the article. It's all your Facebook friends who are talking about it. But yes, apparently the attendance was somewhere. They said 150,000 plus. And San Diego Convention Center is capped at 130. Mm -hmm. And they're crediting the major increase to the fact that Thursday is now a full day. As opposed to the half day, the half professionals press, you know, retailer day. Yeah. Thursday was was nice actually. I mean, it was obviously the smallest foot traffic out of out of any of the other days. Well, if I was to analyze it, like, okay, this is bigger than San Diego, then somehow they figured out the secret sauce that keeps it from being too insane. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've mentioned this several times over the weekend that the RFID system, which they instituted last year, which we hated, we were all like, "This is the worst idea ever. This is just going to slow everything down." And it does kind of slow some things down, and there's like still some hinky parts of it, but it's not as bad as we feared. And from what Raf said. Mm-hmm. 
it well, it is keeping people out who don't have badges. And the floor actually felt less crowded from 2012. And this year didn't feel so bad. Yeah. I mean, even like going to the panels, we went to, you know, we had trouble getting into some panels, mm-hmm. but it wasn't San Diego crazy, no, some of them. No, it wasn't, yeah. You know, like I went to that American Dad panel with you, which we can talk about in a bit. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I it was less than an hour, and I walked by, and they were asking people, oh, if you want to line up for the American Dad panel. And there was, like, nobody there. Yeah. You know, eventually you joined me. There was a little bit of a long line in front of us, but it wasn't, it was manageable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I think their RFID system is probably their secret sauce, unlike it, San Diego, where people do sneak in all the time. Well, because I remember uh, last year, Lance Fensterman actually made a number around like 15,000 people that were either sneaking in or using counterfeit badges. Yeah, oh. that was Lance Fensterman. I know that Raf said it was actually higher than that. Yeah. So, I mean, you wouldn't really know because, again, you have no way to track it. Right. And. Here, at least, they can track people as they come in and mm-hmm. as they go out. It's annoying that they track people as they go out, but yeah. I'm feeling that's partly because of what happened the first year where they with, oversold the yeah, show. Yeah, the fire marshals and everything. Yeah, yeah, I was not around for that. Yes. <laughs> I, was I was. Yeah. You heard yourself. I did. I did. And I walk, we walked by that pizza place <laughs> that is replaced the, del- the diner we ate at. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, if it's bigger, if it is in fact bigger, like these these numbers are real, yeah. and that makes it bigger than San Diego, one, I think they have, they still have room to grow. They do. Though the Javits is kind of stretched a bit at this point, mm-hmm. and a lot of, I think the biggest problem isn't that this, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. One, we said the rooms are way too small. Oh, totally. They yeah. do not have the rooms, like only the uh, main stage, 1D, and mm-hmm. the Empire stage, 1E. Yeah were really big enough to accommodate these big crowds, and neither of them approaches Hall H yeah. uh, one, size. 1A, I, I think, what is it, like 1A21 or something like that is one of their larger uh, panel rooms that does actually manage to, to hold a decent amount of people, but the back panel rooms are, are way small. Like, yeah, and they kept putting panels that didn't belong in those rooms in there. Yeah. And it was just ridiculous i trying to remember i mean when we went to the 75th marvel mm-hmm. 75th anniversary marvel panel i remember previous year i went to that was like asian superheroes panel yeah. and i'm sure some and i, and I said to you it's like some dumb white person was like <laughs> nobody wants to go talk about asian superheroes yeah and there was this long line and like they cram people in and like i don't know why they let so many people in. I because f- like Larry Hama was there, yeah. which was awesome. Maybe Stan Sakai, but my memory's a little fuzzy on mm-hmm. that. But I remember Larry Hama was like, "No, no, no, pack more people," and like he didn't care. <laughs> Screw the fire marshals. Yeah, now that was that was actually a cool panel. God, that was a few, that was quite a few years ago. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, I, like it, it makes sense to put the smaller panels in there. Like, I mean, th- yes, I'll admit. When we, when we had a podcasting panel, they put it there because it's not like there's going to be that many people that go to a podcasting panel to begin with. The like, thing is, though, is a lot of those panels aren't even being held anymore yeah, you're because right. they're trying to cram in as much studio stuff. There aren't many fan panels anymore. Yeah, they don't have the room for that. Like, yeah. the Javits Center is still too small. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's what's been keeping San Diego from continuing to grow is the fact that they're confined to the San Diego Convention Center. And then they have uh, the hotel, the Hilton, is it Hilton? 
across the street? Uh, yes. Uh, someone's listening to this and like screaming, "No!" But, you know, I don't remember which which uh, hotel chain it was. I'm pretty I mean, sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a Hilton, but don't quote me. I have that. been in the building. Yeah. Let me just assure you, I just don't remember offhand which hotel it is. Right. And uh, and then of course you have all the ancillary stuff on the street in San Diego. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to you know we went we almost got into that Tron arcade that one time. Yeah. And last year I went to the Game of Thrones exhibition. Behind the convention center, they had freaking pirate ship. Mm-hmm. New yep. York has a bit of an issue with that because there's nothing in the immediate area. Like last year, we know that there was that little pizza shop or yes. whatever it was across the street. Who who was doing that? St. Mark's or I think it was actually. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was St. Mark's. They weren't Thomas. doing much with it. It was yeah. actually really disappointing. And then you know there were some food trucks set up in the parking lot. I think yeah. at night. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, even before night, uh, they had, they had food trucks available there. Uh, I think throughout the day. Okay, because I saw up. them. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 they you know also set up like T Titan balloons and yeah, everything. Yeah, that they've been doing that for a few years. But yeah, yeah. like New York's going to have is going to turn in the San Diego in that aspect too, where they can't grow any further. I feel like Super Week was an attempt to do that, but our Super Week cards were so useless. We did not use them once. They, most of the events were pay events. Yeah. I only found out on Saturday or Sunday that the card has like a discounted Gotham Market uh Gotham Market mm-hmm. up the street yeah. which they were tra- they were handing out flyers during the show. I don't think anyone was going to Gotham Market to eat. It yeah. is only a few blocks up on the same avenue and it's really good. It's delicious. Yeah. It's a little bit pricey but then so is the Javits food. Yeah. If you're going to complain about prices and then buy food at the Javits, leave the convention center, go to Gotham Market. Yeah. For next year if you are in New York, go to Gotham Market. It is fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, go 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 go, go get yourself a a good chicken sandwich there or something like that. Yeah, it's or, like a food court in yeah. case you're wondering what we're talking about. They yeah. have there's like a barbecue place, there's a ramen place. I know there was the ice cream uh, kiosk. There's a blue mm-hmm. bottle coffee because you got to have your hipster coffee. Yes. You know, just. Yeah, some, some sushi places, some yeah, taco a, places. Yeah. Oh, yes. There's yeah. a taco place and the sushi place. Yeah. It's it's a nice little little food courty thing. Mm-hmm. But going back to the show, it was crowded. It didn't feel San Diego crazy, which was yeah. good. But there's still kind of that frustration, I think, because the panel rooms are still too small that, like, every time you want to go to a panel, you either have to wait online for over an hour, yeah. which is a San Diego problem, or the, the other problem, which San Diego does not have, where even the smaller panels that aren't popular are still full, and you get bounced, you know, you bounce off them, you're like, oh, go in as a bounce, yeah. bounce, if you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. that feeling of not being able to land anywhere. It's pinball, it really yeah, is. Yeah, pinball is a good term for yeah. it. Because I know we try. We were like, nobody's going to want to go. To, oh, oh, that one's full, it looks like. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and one thing that San Diego started doing this year is another thing that uh, New York started doing this year, and that is with the wristbands uh, for, for the main event hall. Uh, yeah. I know that they started doing that with Hall H this uh, this last year at San Diego. And uh, it's, it you know, did seem to be pretty effective because, there, you know, there weren't the, like, hordes of people uh, waiting a day beforehand to uh, to try and get into events at San Diego. And just like there, there weren't people lined up to a room that they don't know if they're even going to be able to get into here in New York. Well, the bigger problem, because um, you know, the wristbands weren't just like get into the main events hall. Yeah, they were for specific events, mm-hmm. and they would clear the room. Right, and that's definitely in response to things like Hall H, where. You would get Twilight fans camping out overnight for a panel that didn't happen until like 6 p.m. the next day. Oh, yeah. And then people who wanted to go to everything before that couldn't because Twilight fans had to camp out this panel. Yeah. And and one, I think you're crazy if you spend all the money on a badge and then just go to one panel. But if 
that's your fandom. God yeah. be with you. Right. But life advice, <laughs> you might want to go find find other stuff. Like I'm a huge fan of you know quite a few things actually, yeah. but. I love Avatar The Last Airbender, but I would not camp overnight to go to a panel because I want to experience other things. Yeah, sure. So, and and there are plenty of other things to experience. Yeah, like you, You've been with me enough times where I'd be like, not worth it. Right. Just watch. I mean, on, on Thursday, on Thursday, when we got into the Bob's Burgers panel, uh, that, you know, that was in the in the main events hall. And, you know, we did, did get the uh, get the wristbands and everything like that. And Thursday, like I previously said, was a lot more manageable on things like main events and uh, and the hall itself, because there were less people there on Thursday than any other day. But it's also because I think because of the events that were being held uh, in the main event hall, they were sort of the the lesser or or lower events. I think than it the was a days. mixed bag, honestly, all weekend mm-hmm. because it was low impact and high impact events just kind of mishmashed together. Yeah, Thursday's just going to be a lower day because it's not the end of the week; it's still the middle of the week. Yeah, and people aren't going to take a Thursday off. It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, some people do, you know, but. Most people are not going to take Thursday off. They're going mm-hmm. to take Friday off, yeah. or they're going to go over the weekend. Right. That's why they have four-day badges, and they have three-day badges. Yeah. And, you know, San Diego's more of a destination con still, I feel like. I mean, this is just biased because we live here, <laughs> so we don't have to travel to go there. Yeah. But considering how many people I know who really are just from the area, you're not going to take off on Thursday. It's not a vacation destination. The lack of hotels in the area that Javits says how little of a... Uh, vacation destination con it is there are plenty of hotels though in new york that's hotels is not an issue that new york has or will ever have Mm -hmm. and people will keep building new hotels we were walking past a few being built not even nice ones just like those little pill boxes that they just kind of cram in into whatever lots they can find most of which are owned by one dude it's insane and and everything's accessible via subway so i mean it doesn't really matter yeah you you just got to be willing to take that 15 minute walk to the javits because the the subway is taking forever to get built which will be promised that it'll be done in february and then be the wait another three months yeah i mean i hope it's done by next year because i'm getting tired (laughs) of carrying adam and comfort stuff (laughs) love you guys but i hate carrying your shit (laughs) hey they hate carrying it too That much was very much apparent on the Sunday, you know, log back. But they, they tried to convince me to take a cab. I'm like, no, we'll carry the stuff. It'll be fine. And then we carried the stuff. And then I'm like, oh, God, we should have taken a Wait, cab. Wait, was there a cab option? Nobody told me about a cab <laughs> option. You guys are jerks. Uh, yeah, but uh, but no, uh, I, I did I did enjoy the uh, the Bob's Burgers panel a lot. I mean, it had all the voice actors except for Dan Mintz there, and and uh, one of the, cre- the one of the creators was there too. Are both are both creators? I, the producer was there. Yeah, I don't actually remember the exact lineup. I mean, it was a good mm-hmm. panel. It yeah. wasn't the highlight of the con for me. Right. I enjoyed being there. I like seeing people just kind of kid around have mm-hmm. fun yeah you know people ask questions hey sean benjamin's kid asked the question was it his kid if that was his kid yeah that was actually straight up his kid like i i, I looked it up later yeah. like uh no because his, his kid goes up there and then he's he's asking a question and Aishan benjamin keeps asking him like what his last name no is. no well he goes he goes my name is judah and he goes what's your last name <laughs> it's just that i like i thought he might have been making a ben-hur joke <laughs> I could not name my kid Judah, because then every time I would give them a bottle of milk, I'd be going, drink up, Judah Ben-Hur. <laughs> God damn it, it's tempting. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be really confusing. No, yeah. the, the highlight of that panel for me was still 
when they were going to do the trivia thing mm-hmm. and they pulled a, a fan from the audience and it was a guy dressed as Gene in the burger yeah. uh, costume. And they're like, oh, who are you dressed as? And he says, Bob Jr. No! <laughs> and the crowd just flips out. And they're like, and, you know, you know, somebody, you know, they're like, they correct, you know, it's Gene. And then they're like, okay, you know, time for a trivia question. Let's get a trivia question from the audience. Does somebody have a really hard trivia question? And this guy in our section just goes, what's the name of Bob's son? <laughs> well, that guy was obviously wearing a costume yeah. because his girlfriend made him or something. Yeah, fake geek guy. Fake, uh, fake geek, geek guy. guy. I, I do believe there are fake geek girls and fake geek guys, but I don't hate on them. I just think it's funny when they get caught in the yeah. little situations. I'm just like, ooh, oh, <laughs> ouch, oh, no. The other thing, too, is that now that uh, construction has been over at, at the Javits for – this is the second year now that the construction has been over uh, and done with, so. right? Yeah, I, I feel like walking the floor is a lot easier now. You well, know? you don't have that big wall separating the two sections of the Javits, the, the main floor, mm-hmm. because – you know, it's designed, there's this one big cavernous room. Yeah. And then there's, like, a divider, which they can still put booths in because there's enough space, but it's there's an overhang, right? Yeah. Like, the ceiling gets really low. It's actually very claustrophobic. I would not want to have a booth in there. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, it opens up into, you know, an also cavernous but smaller uh, room. And before, that whole section with the low ceiling was actually walled off because they were doing something in there. I have no idea what they were doing <laughs> because it still seems claustrophobic and gross. It does, yeah. I mean, the Javits in general is a horribly designed convention center, and I've I've seen a lot of a lot of convention centers are designed so they can have multiple events running at the same time in this one big building. Yes. So they're kind of segmented. The Baltimore Convention Center is a perfect example of that. Oh, Jesus! It's, it's it's so hard to walk that thing. It's it's designed like you do like when you're walking around like Otakon, you have to go up and then down and up and then down. like they they. Finally, have figured out how to organize it so you're not making as many asinine trips. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of weird, like when you're in the Charles Street lobby. But if you want to go to any of the other lobbies, you're going to have to go up and then down. Yeah. Especially since they don't. There's that. There's a little uh, the street. A street runs through it, Pratt Street, I think. Yes. And they don't let you use that. The doors there. I don't know why. I, it pisses me off every <laughs> time. But yeah, like the convention center is meant to be cut into. A, I would say two or three pieces. Yeah, and the Javits is definitely like that. Yeah, like you've had that big hall, and then you have the the big but slightly less big hall, and then you have there's the upstairs, the Crystal Pavilion, mm-hmm. and of course each downstairs section is its own unit in itself. And I've been there when there have been multiple events. What does you What does Javits use the Crystal Pavilion for now? I mean, sorry, what does New York Comic Con use? It I have for? no idea. We yeah. never went up there to okay. see. Maybe they don't use it for anything maybe, anymore. Maybe that's where the gaming is. Who it's knows? a horrible. It, it could be gaming. Yeah. It is a horrible place to have anything that has high traffic, because the only ingresses there are the two escalators. Yes, that go up to the little platform. Yeah. And it's such a pain. Like, the only way to escape there is to, if you can find the back staircase, which I always forget where it is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. all it's it's horrible. And, like, and that's where Artist Alley was uh, for two years of the con, uh, if yes. memory serves. Yeah, that was a yeah. while ago. That was before... Uh that was the before time, yeah. Yeah, that was that was my first year in podcast arena was mm-hmm. was up there, and then uh, the anime artist alley was up there one year. Yeah, when they were still trying to do anime, and talking. When I said I've been there, when they've had several events, I remember when they had the New York Anime Fest, mm-hmm. and next door was the uh, Magic of the Gathering World Championships. Yes, so they were both using down downstairs bay that were adjacent but not or 
semi-adjacent. Maybe they were one separated by one. Yeah, yeah they were separated by one. Mm-hmm. And that's like the way it's supposed to be used. It's like, oh, over here we'll have a job fair, and on this side will be like the New York Times travel show. Yeah, I think it was actually A and C uh, that that was the uh, the separation. There. Yeah, but yeah. now, but the thing is, we're approaching this era of mega conventions. I mean, there's San Diego, and there's now New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think of other really, really large conventions in the United well, States. Well, uh, I mean, C2E2. C2E2, sort of, no. Really. C2E2 because they got bumped to the smaller hall. Point, yeah. Like, I, they've been shifting halls every year. I mean, we haven't gone for the past, like, two mm-hmm. years, but the first few times I went there, it was, like, a different hall every single yeah. time. Oh, uh, Utah. I know I know that, uh, that Salt Lake City Comic Con uh, was, like, the second largest in all of the U.S. this year. I was wondering how big... Uh, Dragon Con actually is. Dragon Con's pretty big. I mean, yeah. Otakon is at 35 or 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anime Expo is bigger than that. Yes. But again, I don't know the exact numbers offhand. I'm not looking yeah. at a screen. I think they were we... about 65, if I remember correctly. No, I doubt that. They, okay. They're they not good at keeping up. Like, yeah. They just they don't scale, is right. basically the way I put it. But yeah, so we're reaching this era of big and bigger conventions and convent- the, the existing facilities in this country just aren't up to the task. I mean, you have the bigger, biggest convention center is McCormick, and you have the Javits, which isn't even like, I don't even know if it's in the top ten. It's definitely not in the top five. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally not top five. Yeah. San Diego is one of the bigger ones. Vegas has most of the big ones. Mm. DC, I know, has a pretty Gaylord. big one. Yeah. The Gaylord. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I know it's a thing in the South, but in the North, we just laugh at it. Okay, guys? Gaylord. 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 It is ridiculous. If you say it enough times, though, it stops being funny. No, it doesn't. Wait, no, it really doesn't. Gaylord. It's like, perhaps, you know, me by my other name. Gaylord. Come on. Uh. Who? (laughs) You're not. You're terrible. This is why he's not a comedy partner. He doesn't know how to pick up lines, man. Who? Come on, man. Gaylord. Yeah. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> That's a chain of convention centers, right? Uh, Gaylord? Gaylord? Yes, yeah. and hotels. Yeah. They were, since we mentioned it this weekend, they were the um, they were blocking uh, Wi-Fi. Like people's yes. personal Wi-Fi spots and mm-hmm. everything. Because yeah. you know, they wanted people to buy their shitty hotel Wi-Fi. And the thing is, you can't block other people's signals or interfere with them in some way that's illegal, so they've been fined. So, you know, yay. <laughs> I, I Hotels are so, I mean, not to, this is not really specific to New York Comic Con because we didn't stay in a hotel, yeah. but hotels have not gotten with the times. It drives me nuts when we go to a hotel and they're charging like 12 bucks a night for Wi-Fi yeah. when so many people have smartphones now or- and can just, you know, tether off of that. My favorite are the ones that still try to charge like eight bucks an hour. Yeah, or if you're in the conference room, it's like $200 an hour. jeez. And the thing is, like, it's because they're still geared towards the business consumer. They're like, look, they're just going to expense it. And it's true. If I'm on a business trip, 12 bucks, I don't give a shit. Yeah. But the thing is, I feel like there's less business travel. A lot of people are uh, telecommuting, mm-hmm. teleconferencing. And you have more people just traveling for vacation. It's interesting to see the shift when you watch, like, commercials and stuff. Yeah. And they seem to be or- more oriented towards getting, like, you know, actual human beings doing traveling for pleasure. So, I mean, hopefully these stupid communications policies will, you know, start to fall by the wayside and they'll just 
you know, be like the uh, the nice cheap hotels, like Holiday Inn, and just give us free Wi-Fi. That would be nice. Someday. Javits gives you exactly one free hour. I'm not sure if it's per day or just straight up one free hour per device. Because uh, that that's what I that's what I learned on that Sunday was I finally figured out that that there was free Wi Fi but only for an hour. Well, Javits of course is going to have the same issues as the hotels where everybody's got their personal hotspots and stuff. In the past, cell phone signals that was like a dead zone. Yeah, like my phone would just die if I went down in the basement of the Javits. I would just not. The signal would die because I was slightly underground, and then once I came out, it just couldn't re- reacquire the signal because there were too many people with their cell phones trying to reacquire signal. Yeah. I actually had signal in the downstairs now. So did I. I don't know if it's because they put a new tower up. They probably did because Hudson Yards is being built right across the yeah. street. It's still a power suck, though, because like, I saw a whole bunch of people... Uh, Actually, I ran into a whole bunch of people that were saying that their phones were losing power a lot faster than they normally uh, would. Not as many. If there aren't as many antennas and there's a lot of people connecting to it, you, your phone's going mm. to be fighting for the signal. Point. Uh, but yeah, no, like just the Javits as a convention center is just severely lacking. It's weird to look at it. Like I said, if you didn't know what it looked like before, you would have no idea this thing had been renovated because it still looks old <laughs> and just ugly and just not yeah well designed the sunlight helps though i mean it does it, it, it yeah. does make things a, a lot less dank and yeah i think ugly. they realize like it for starters they'll save electricity if you have natural light during the day instead of having to turn on every freaking light in the place during you know in the middle of the day it's a waste of electricity yeah i mean they put in the the glass used to be black now it's like a greenish i guess yeah something it's like supposed that. to be solar friendly there might be solar panels on the roof well, let's let's talk about some of the uh, the negatives of the con uh, before I go into general positives. Uh, number one, the Javits. Well, yes, the Javits. We well, we've been bitching enough about the Javits. By so the way, far. I just want to note it yeah. is spelled J A V I T S. Not. I don't know why people keep putting a Z on it. <laughs> Jacob K. Javits was like I think a governor of New York. Yeah. His statue was in the lobby. I've, just, had, I've had to correct so many Facebook listings on that shit because they keep putting Z's in the uh, end. I, of it. I read one of the articles that said that they surpassed San Diego Comic Con spelled it Javits with a Z, and I was just like, come on. <laughs> it's not Lenny Kravitz, all right. It's yeah. Jacob Javits with an yeah. S at the end. Uh, DC's essentially lack of presence at at the con. And, and cons in general now, it feels like. They're, they're going for, like, frickin' Batman, uh, uh, you know, costumes over Yeah, booth. it was, to describe the booth that they had, the non-booth, it yeah. was at the north end, no, south end, south end of yeah. the convention center. Horrible light exposure. Oh, like, my God. Well, we went, th- I mean, mind you, the sun shifts during the day, so mm-hmm. maybe if you go to it at the right time of day, it's okay. But when we went there, the sun's blaring through the window. Yeah. You can't see anything. And even without the sun... The it was a bunch of uh, Batman suits. The glass makes it impossible to take photos of anything. Absolutely. Like when I uh, when they did their Superman exhibit at San Diego last year, I tried taking photos of Superman, and you you can't because you have the glass, but then you have the lights coming from overhead, and mm-hmm. it's usually like a six set. Yeah. And it's just like no matter what angle you do, you know, you come at it from the bottom, you come at it from the top, you come at it from the side. You're going to get that reflection. You're either going to see the lights, you're going to see yourself, you're going to see that guy in the Cookie Monster costume. <laughs> but I don't know what they did like in between New York Comic Con last year and San, and San Diego though, because like I remember they had the same Superman uh, setup at New York, and it was in the back of the hall. 
I remember, at, at New York last year. And you could take decent photos. I, maybe it was just the lighting it's of the actual off, room. It's off-center. Yeah. But yeah, they, so they had that at the south end of the convention center. I didn't even see it until Sunday because yeah. it's out of the way. Like, I have no reason to go to that end of the convention center. Right. I think the only reason you go over there is if you want to go outside and catch the bus. Or if you want to go down the 1E, because uh, that's that's exactly where that, uh, that, that staircase is. Right, right, yeah. So, like, DC just kind of is just kind of giving up the goat or giving up the ghost. I know <laughs> there's – I just realized there's two terms that sound very similar. Yeah. And we were talking about this all weekend, and it kind of ties into the fact that Warner Brothers is finally sort of like, hey, we own this company. They have a lot of really cool things we could exploit. We should do something with that. <laughs> you know, and it's partly because they see – Marvel and they see Disney is doing these things with Marvel and making a gazillion dollars. Yeah. And DC wants a piece of that action. And it's kind of funny to think of it because I, I realize I'm like, DC was bought by Warner Brothers years 30 ago. years ago. 30 yeah. years ago. Jeez. Might have even, I can't remember if it was the late 70s or early 80s, but you know. It's been a while. It is as old as I am. <laughs> that should tell you something. And that was, but that was a time when Warner Brothers, I feel like, was just trying to expand their media presence. Yeah. Because they also bought Atari in the late 70s. Oh, yeah, right. And it was just kind of like, well, you know, I guess we got to prepare for the future, see what the kids are into. I mean, I think even back then they were buying DC for the IP. Yes. And not for anything else. But they were content to just let them do whatever they wanted because they knew that they could just take superheroes out and make movies. So they, you know, they made a bunch of Superman movies and then they made some Batman movies and then they kind of just fucked both of those up. and Essentially. I mean, I mean, you know, the animated series, obviously, are Warner Brothers animations. Yeah, so no, the cartoons yeah. definitely were good. And they let, I, I feel like they were content to just let things chug along and make them a little bit of money. Like, they weren't expect. I mean, you know, it's good to have cartoons because you can sell toys and mm-hmm. people like toys. But I don't think they were expecting much out of that because every movie studio, every studio, every company always relies on their movies, not yeah. anything else. Like, think of Star Trek, how they're trying to reinvent it as a movie franchise. Star Trek's not a movie franchise. No. It's a TV franchise. There's a reason why, you know, you make fun of Star Trek movies, but that's because Star Trek is not a movie franchise. Yeah, it works a lot better as a TV as franchise. As the Onion, Onion put it once, there is like, it's about people sitting around conference tables arguing a lot. And, <laughs> and the thing is, I like people sitting around conference tables arguing a lot. That's what right. I grew up on, man. It, it's as a TV show, it works perfectly fine yeah. because you can, you can tell the story nice and slow. But they're still obsessed with the movies. And that's yeah. probably because movies are easier to export. I mean, you got those international dollars are huge yeah. for movies now. Like when we were talking about like, oh, this is the biggest money maker ever. And we're just like, of course it is because it's being released in like all these countries. Yeah. But... Yeah, with going back to DC and their non-presence, like we all know, I mean, I'm assuming everyone listening to this is aware of the fact that... They're moving offices. Yeah, they're moving to Burbank, and they told people, you know, we'll help you move, you can come with us, you know, we'll pay your expenses, blah, blah, blah. Or you could just give up your job, stay in New York, you'll get a nice little settlement package, you can still claim unemployment. At least 80 employees chose that option. Yeah. I saw that they said they only have... The was it bleeding cool? It said twelve people are confirmed to go. Yes, five people were actually fired, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you have eighty people who are like, nope. Yeah, and a, bu- a bunch of them got jobs at either Marvel or other competing publishers. Yeah, that's the funny thing is that article that you, I think you the one who posted it, pointed out that if they had gone to work at a non-comic company, like a non-entertainment company, they actually were still entitled to a package. <laughs> 
by working for a competitor, they they you know don't they, get the package. That, yeah. But that should tell you something. If people are just like fuck uh, it, yeah, come on, please. I mean, they, they they're not going to forfeit their careers because by moving to Burbank, you're essentially uh, moving yourself away from where all the other publishers yeah, are. I mean, you could say, well, people work from distance now; they don't need to be in an office. And that's true for some people, but then there's plenty of other people that work better in a collaborative, in-person environment. Definitely. I think the sweet spot is to have a job that gives you the option to stay home when you need to. Like if you have kids or if you're sick that day, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. you're just not feeling great or you need to stay home to wait for the cable guy and right. to be okay with that. But to have an office where you can go in and talk to your coworkers. Yeah. And sit down and get shit done. And I think that's incredibly valuable. And I think that's why you're still going to have these centers of industry. New York is still going to be a center for publishing even as we move into the digital era. Certainly. Which which we are not in yet because <laughs> the publishing industry really doesn't want to be there. Yeah. The, the one, one foot in the door, one foot out. Yeah. People still buy books as is evidenced by being at a comic like, show yeah. yeah at the show not even just comic books but just novels you know nonfiction. well hell i mean yeah i mean there's still plenty of uh, retailers out there and they're not just selling stuff from the golden age and the silver age they're, they're selling plenty of current comics people are buying are still buying physical objects i mean there are various reasons for that i mean one being that oh well why don't you just get a tablet not everybody has a tablet not everybody wants to give their kid a $600 tablet, you know, an iPad is sweet, but it is expensive. And God bless you. If you trust your kid with one, (laughs) I would not. You got, you got to be old enough to know that you're not just going to drop it on the ground and, and wind up being $600 down the hole. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a risk. And yeah, I know the physical content could cost more, but it's so relaxing to not have to worry about the conditions going to come back. Yeah. Uh, children's books actually are still big sellers because people, well, one, they don't want to give their kids tablets Mm -hmm. and, Kids like the physicality yes. of seeing yes, the pages and turning the book. New York will continue to be a publishing, you know, place. The fact that DC is be- moving to Burbank is a definite. You you can see the shift. Like yeah. they, uh, Warner Brothers is moving them to be a media. I mean, they were already a media company, but media multimedia company specifically to do movies and TV because that's where you go. You go to California if you want to do movies and TV. Yes, indeed. You want to do publishing, you stay in New York. You want to do anything with the internet you probably should be in like san francisco or you know or seattle or austin there's just you know so yeah dc is hemorrhaging employees they're also kind of not giving a crap about most of their creative team like they're they're keeping their market share thanks to stupid 3d cover gimmicks but that's how far can that take you in the that's long run? That's just the 90s again. It is. It totally is. I mean, and, and that's what pisses me off. Like, I mean, I tweeted this, uh, like, last week, actually, that, like, all of you people buying 3D covers just because they're 3D covers and not caring about the content inside, you're the damn problem, and you're going to continue to be the damn problem, and as long as you keep buying this, DC is not going to learn their goddamn lesson and go back to actually making stories. I mean, Batgirl is a good is a good step in the right direction. Gotham Academy is a good step in the right direction, but that's about it. You know, I don't see any other really I, big bright spots. I did pre-order Gotham Academy. I haven't read it yet because it's probably sitting at my parents' house. Yeah, Batgirl's in my next shipment. Yeah, well, I got to start getting those sent to the office. I've been really lazy about that. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, then you contrast with, like, Marvel still seems interested in their comic business and creating... I mean, if Disney's letting them do anything, it's because Disney's like, hey, go make some new IP. And I can imagine someone saying, like, yeah, we bought you to be a boys' company, but it would be really helpful if you could be a girls' company, too. Ms. Ms. Marvel, the highest-selling 
digital comic Marvel has ever had, and that is a good sign. That is a very good sign. Yeah, and they're of course they're increasing their uh, diversity offerings. Yes, they are. Because I I saw that uh, that new was it like a spider title? Uh, the, two two new spider Korean girl. Oh, uh, actually, I'm trying to think whether that was Spider Man or something else. Well, Silk is yes, is a is Silk. a new character. Yeah, she's that, the Korean. Girl. Yes, mm-hmm, yeah, she's being introduced sort of as a new Spider Woman esque character, and uh, Spider Gwen is gonna is gonna have a series apparently. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of uh, good female characters Gamora's out there. Gamora's getting a series yes. written by the screenwriter, the one who's not the director. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, G. Willow Wilson's going to be writing X-Men. Which is great. Which made me wonder. First of all, there's two questions that I, I didn't actually look it up after our last conversation. One being that, has any is X-Men, the, the one, the, the, the current series... A mainline X Men title, like would you consider it that? Because I would consider a flagship X Men title. Yeah, it, it, adjectiveless has always been one of the three that I would consider. Except that didn't we have that X Men title that was being written by like Victor Gishler for a while? And yeah, a you, gotta, you gotta. I only remember Victor Gishler because I actually liked his story arc, the one with the vampires, because I thought it was a good vampire story. Yeah. X-Men Legacy sort of muddied up the works because uh, after X-Men Legacy, uh, which, you know, that be- that became, that's what became the original yeah. X-Men title. Well, yeah, this, so my second question was, has any woman actually written a flagship X-Men title? And that's not to say, has a woman ever written an X title before? Right. The answer to that, of course, is yes, because you had Wheezy mm-hmm. and you've had Marjorie Liu, who really, really needs to get more high-profile stuff. Yeah, she wrote Astonishing X-Men for a while. Yeah, and she yeah. was writing the, I, is it Dakin or Daken? Daken. Daken, yeah, yeah. She wrote that, I know. And X, didn't she write X-23, too, for a while? Probably, yeah. because that seems like it's up her alley, but... Yeah. I mean, to actually see, and to see, of all people, G. Willow Wilson be the one to do that. Plus, I think she might have actually had an arc on Wolverine, now that I think about it. But yeah, anyway. Uh, uh, I, I also would love to know, I was reading about, like, oh, did you like that that X-Men title that had all women? But did you stop reading it? Because it was obvious it was written by all dudes. <laughs> I think it was the Mary Sue who said that. And I'm just kind of like, Really? And then one of the commenters was like, yeah, I either stopped reading because it was so sexist. So now I need to know what the hell is wrong with that X-Men title because I really enjoy it. Yeah, the Brian Wood stuff I, I've been liking a lot. I mean, uh, I haven't been reading the uh, Guggenheim stuff even though I've been buying it. I'm still a little bit behind, yeah. but uh, I, I like that first arc a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's not the best title in the world, but, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what G. Willow Wilson does with it. Helps, also, too, that the art's been good. Yeah, I'm also wondering how many people are actually going to go back and look at her old stuff. Like, because she's getting all this interest, like, Ms. Marvel, oh, it's so revolutionary. It's this teenage girl, and she's Muslim, <laughs> and, and she's not wearing a slutty costume. Yay! Yeah. And I, you know, had read her novel, the um, Aleph the Unseen, mm-hmm. which I liked. And you read Air. When I read one, Air. Yeah. I, when I originally bought the first issue of Air, because it was 99 cents, it de- can, didn't click with me. But then we were at the Big Apple Comic Con, the one that yes. was on like Pier 57 or Pier whatever number it was. Yeah, the the, the first, uh, Wizard's first Big Apple attempt. Yeah, and I got I bought a bunch of the issues for like 25 cents each. And I just read through it, and, and I'm like, wait, I'm starting to like this. <laughs> Next issue. Oh my... And by the end, I was like, this is so good, but it got canceled. Yeah. But I do recommend Air if you are enjoying any of her recent work. You can get it digitally, and I think the uh, trades are there still is, available. There's still, yeah, there's trades. And her novels, I mean, if you like things that don't have pictures in them, Olive <laughs> Dancing was also a nice 
a fantasy novel, I guess is the best way to put it. You didn't read it, so. You told me about it, though. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that book a lot, and I recommended it to people who never finished it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, let me go back to my gripes real quick with with the convention. The other one being the non-New York Comic Con staff, meaning the actual Javits staffers that were wearing either red or yellow uh, Comic Con. Do you know that they were contractors and not New York Comic Con staff, though? I believe they were contractors just because they were wearing different shirts than the blue. I think the blue were the actual Comic Con Yeah, I don't really know. We don't really know for sure. But I feel like there's definitely humanity missing there. Yeah. Like, you can go to a show like PAX, and the enforcers are very well-behaved. They have a lot of restraint. I remember once I actually cursed at one, and then I was immediately like, why did I do that? I don't know. I'm sorry. Because I, I think I'm not used to being in an environment where nobody's screaming at you. Yeah. I'm so used to being screamed at by security personnel that that threw me off. And, and we were being screamed at this at, at Javits. What, I didn't. I didn't call the lady the C-word or anything. I didn't do anything. But... It was on Sunday, and I'm walking by, and there's a giant screen above a bunch of, uh, like, queue lines, like, pipes set up to delineate the lines. And it's Adventure Time, and I don't recognize it, so I'm like, oh, interesting. Oh, they're showing the panel that's in whatever room this is. It was the Empire stage. So I kind of walk up to the line, and I'm watching it, and the guy, and the guy's like, are you getting a live for American Dad? I'm kind of like, no, I want to watch the screen. He's like, well, I don't know if you're here for that. And I'm like, okay, so I back out of the room. And then I get a different person being like, you can't just stand there. You have to, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like watching the screen. Well, then you need to step up. And I'm like, I'm being told to step in. I'm being told to step out. She's like, what did you say? And I'm like, just saying, I'm getting conflicting directions here. So I step into the room and then eventually I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want to stand right in front of the line here. So I decided to move off to the side and there's a chair. So I sit in the chair because why not? Nobody's sitting in the chair. I'm not hurting anyone. And... The lady finally notices me. She's like, you can't sit there. And I'm like, but I'm watching the screen. She's like, well, you have to come over here and watch it. So I went back to my original place. (laughs) Back and forth. Yeah. The reason she noticed me, sorry, I I actually jumped ahead here, was so I'm sitting in the chair. While I was sitting in the chair, it's hard to describe how it's laid out to someone who hasn't been in the Javits Center. But the way the big bays work is that there's like this little wall and then it kind of opens up. I don't know how, like a bottle? It would be like if you're in yeah, the neck of a bottle and you're walking in. That's about right. And the thing is, though, this little neck has doors in the front, or rather, there's a gate that comes down when they actually do close the hall. But then the sides have doors. And one of the, you know, so I'm, I can actually see the door because I'm like sitting basically right next to it, maybe, I don't know, 10 feet from it. And the door opens and a bunch of girls come in, most of them are cosplayers. And there's a... Javits like janitor with them you know lady she's got the garbage can or whatever and she's like oh over there over there and they're like okay they start walking towards the bathroom security lady runs over she's like what are you doing where are you going you can't go over there and and they're like we're just using the bathroom she's like you go you gotta use the one outside and the janitor she goes there's a long line for the one outside she's like no but they can't use this one so she kicks all the girls out oh my god the room mind you this room this was the queue room for the empire stage it was almost completely empty yeah there was a baby a little fetus of a line for the american dad panel but other than that it was empty so and even when the line filled it wasn't wasn't entirely yeah but the thing is i can understand if the room is full because you know she says oh they can't only the people at this panel can use this bathroom and i can understand if the if the queue line had filled up you want to keep track of who's actually there for the panel right and who's trying to like who's trying to sneak in yeah but there was no one in the room it doesn't take 
long to just eyeball like, okay, those people came back out. They're leaving the room now, like to make sure they're not going to go into the panel room. Not that it would have hurt if they had gone into the panel because it was not full. Yeah. It's just the Javits has such an abysmal bathroom situation that I found, I find this incredibly egregious. And yeah. I think New York Comic Con should be ashamed of themselves because the bathrooms are small. I think they only have three stalls. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many the men's room have. You know how many urinals you have versus stalls. Got about five or six urinals and yeah, about three the stalls. women's room. The women's room on this lower level with next to these giant ass bays only have three stalls, and they fill up fast. There's always a long line for them. They tend to run out of supplies, and of course they're filthy after a while when you yeah. got thousands of people using them. Which is why I, you know I always say, and what I personally do is. I do not pee in the main Javits building. I wait <laughs> until we're at Javits North, the yeah. new the new hall where the artist alley is, and then I go there because that place has like five or six bathrooms that have like 20 stalls in them and they're always super clean. Yeah. Like I mean, it's not actually unusual if you were to walk in and still see like the seat up because somebody had just cleaned it. Javits North is heaven compared compared to the rest of Javits. It is yeah. it is cleaner it has better lighting it has better bathrooms it has a better atmosphere period i wish the rest of javits could be that nice yeah again there it's javits is not built for a mega convention no it is not but yeah this is like but going back to the staff issues is that these two people were just kind of so screamy yeah screaming 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 the entire time no sense of humanity like because you know, you could kind of tell she wanted to kick me out of watching the screen, but then the thing is, I'd have a valid complaint, because what's the point of having the screen displaying you're the right. panel if you're not going to let people watch it? I don't yeah. even understand why they just have it there, because honestly, when you're in that in one of those the, the stage rooms, sometimes you can't even see what's happening on the stage, yeah. so you might as well just go to an ancillary, like, you know, satellite broadcast totally. room. Totally, yeah. Uh, the other the other thing too is that uh, when we were actually online for American Dad, I did notice that there were two blue shirted uh, near Comic Con staff that came over, and then suddenly the yellow staff was no longer screaming, and people were being let in to use the bathrooms without yeah. any problems. Yeah, so maybe so, someone complained. I don't yeah. know. Uh, the, not my only problem I've had with I had with staff as well. The red staff, uh, the red shirt staff at uh, the seventy fifth anniversary uh, Marvel panel. Oh yes, you were mentioning yeah. that. The, the panels uh, this year only ran 45 minutes instead of an hour, uh, which I can understand because they want 15 minutes to, cl- to I guess, you know, room clear uh, or at least let new crowds come in. And this way, this also allows them to have, I guess, more panels packed in uh, in, in, a, in a, you know, in basically the same amount of time. So the the panel is getting near their 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 end point. And one of the blue uh, shirt staff, you know, holds up a sign uh, saying, you know, it's time to wrap up, time to wrap up. And they're right in the middle of, of a point uh, at, at that point. They're right in the middle of answering a question. So, you know, Joe Casada, who's the moderator of the, of the panels, you know, essentially says, uh, go let him finish, let him finish. And they're at maybe the exact 45 minute point at this. And you, since there's 15 minutes in between, you know, they build that 15 minutes in not just to clear uh, people out, but because they know people are going to run slightly over. You know, it's a three, give them a three or four minute window and it's no problem. And that's exactly what was happening here. Uh, the minute that they continue talking past the 45 minute point, a red shirt staffer, I hear, you know, essentially loudly saying behind me, oh, yep, 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 yep. And then when they're done, she's like, all they do is talk, talk, talk. Well, you know, what well, they don't they don't care. They just don't care. And just keeps walking back and forth. And I'm like, look, lady, it's this is what, Friday when, when this was happening? This, this, this was Friday at the, at the Marvel 75th. Like yeah. you're already 
frustrated and screaming like this on Friday in a, at a four-day con? Like I can understand the frustration. The thing is, you want to keep the schedule. I've been to too many conventions where stuff runs overboard. But at the same time, that's... I mean, the fact that we overheard it is just tacky. Yeah. Like, you could should take your concerns private because letting like ranting out loud so that the only people hear you are attendees i mean it's not even passive aggressive yeah because the people that you're pissed off at aren't gonna hear you i mean unless i decide to go to joe Casada and tell him <laughs> that the woman in the back was being a real bitka yeah so i mean i don't know i wasn't too like eh. that panel was interesting only because the room filled up and then it just kind of started hemorrhaging when people realized they they weren't really talking about, I don't know, like Guardians of the Galaxy or or X-Men or whatever. And it was just a bunch of people they had never heard of talking about yeah. what it was like to work at Marvel during different eras. Right, because what, Tom DeFalco, uh, Anne uh, Nascenti. Yeah, she got mugged. That's what she was talking about. Yeah, J.M.D. Mateus was there. Uh, the, the couple of the people, uh, Ralph Macchio was there. Uh, not not the Karate Kid guy. And a couple other classic Marvel creators were there as well. Mark Bagley, I remember, was on the panel as well. And and it, it was just awesome hearing them tell their 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 stories about uh, Marvel times gone by. But yeah, you're right. There were plenty of people that I guess didn't know what they were getting into. Yeah, I feel like there's... I'm not gonna, it sounds really pretentious to say I feel like there's been a loss of community. Because I, I think the community is still there. People know where to find each other and mm. how to hang out with each other. But... You know, the, the glimpses, I think the fans get into that are becoming fewer and far between. Because I just, that reminds me of being at the uh, Eisner Awards and they were talking about, I think it was Harvey Kurtzman they were talking about and how he was so lazy that he wouldn't plan out his paths so that he never had to walk uphill, <laughs> even if it took him out of his way. <laughs> Again, if I'm wrong, you can correct, but I rem- vaguely remember it being Harvey Kurtzman because they were talking about him in the context of stuff like EC Comics. Yeah. What other points from the con uh, stick out to you? What uh, what other things like would you pick up? What uh, what things do you enjoy? Pa- uh, in fact, I mean, you can even say like what cosplay you like because I know I know there was a bunch of good stuff. There was there. some good cosplay, but nothing sticking out in my mind except that I took a photo of a large Orange Is the New Black group. I'll admit I haven't actually watched the whole show yet, but I put it on Tumblr and I got like 600 notes today, which is the most I've ever gotten in a day. It is not my number one post yet, but it, it will probably be by this, you know, by tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, if you want me to just talk about some of the great cosplay. Yeah, please. Let me think. Talk, talk about, talk about uh, There the was con. the Phoenix Five, but they didn't have Colossus and they looked really good. I mean, I'm sure Ian's going to put some of these photos up. I will indeed. Uh, my favorite part of the Phoenix Five, well, besides the fact that it was Namor with his nice little shaved chest, was that the uh, magic, she had taken a sword and she put like some uh, fabric on it. My brain is forgetting the name of the fabric, but it was, it was kind of a little bit shiny. It was yellow. It looked cool. Uh, speaking of Namor, I remember I gave my, my, if they were to make a Namor film, this is the Namor film. The first half hour is just Namor swimming. No shirt on because he never wears a shirt. <laughs> He's just swimming. And then there's a nice long shot of him coming out of the water on the beach, like for a freaking uh, like in the uh, James Bond. Yeah. You know, maybe he can wear a gold bikini. Maybe he'll walk around on the beach a little bit. And then he'll take a shower. <laughs> and that will be like 20, 25 minutes of him just showering, lathering up, rubbing his chest. And then maybe he could like dive off a roof into some water. And then there can be another 30 minutes of him swimming. swimming. Oh, God. And you know this movie would make <laughs> millions at the box office because that's all 
I mean, that's they put cheesecake shots of Thor in Dark Worlds. Come on, just just name the name the movie Namor Naked Chest. It's like it's like, hey guys, it's a superhero movie that you can take your girlfriends to. <laughs> Sold millions in the box office. Just leave her in the theater and go get popcorn. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, there was like the Phoenix Five costumized. I saw Constance. I think it's the name of the character from American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. There were two people behind her who might have been other characters, but they didn't pop out at me as anything in particular. But I recognize her as, again, I think I'm remembering the character's name correctly. Constance, the one with the red hair that Mm -hmm. sticks out. Yeah. And I thought that was cool because that's kind of obscure, but it's like American Horror Story, I feel like, is a show that everybody should be watching. Yeah. It's so crazy. That was uh, Amer- the, the season three of American Horror yes, Story. Yes, Coven, that, yeah. which uh, Brian uh, Glass actually says is basically X-Men, and he's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't X-Men gonna... with witches. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. it's a school for witches, and there's hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a really good uh, Doctor Strange, actually, on, yeah, on the th- Thursday. I saw, I saw that, you take uh, a photo of that. That, yeah. that, I, that I saw, and I really, really enjoyed the costume on that. Uh, there were Peter Quills all over the place. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, Peter could become the new Deadpool. Yeah. And Deadpool, of course, had oh a huge... Oh, my God. Deadpool, basically, the Deadpools are united now into a traveling force, <laughs> like the Deadpool parade. And they were walking... There was a few instances, like, during... They walked up the middle of the artist alley and just going, like, what, we are awesome. Yeah. You know, we are great. We are Deadpool. And they they circled around. They got their photos taken with uh, Rob Liefeld. They did. They ran into Rob Liefeld while they were in there. So yeah. you can... You know, a few selfie shots and everything with Rob Liefeld and freaking 50 Deadpools following him. <laughs> uh, and I also saw them in the uh, in the main convention center, which is funny because they saw a Deadpool off the side. They were like, join us. Yeah. I can predict the future where everybody's dressed as Deadpool and then they get into this parade, which is great for all of us who don't cosplay because <laughs> then we'll have plenty of room. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of Deadpools, not as many Poison Ivies, even no. though those seem to be the two default costumes. Is like, I'm a guy, I'm going to dress as Deadpool. I'm a girl, I'm going to make a Poison really Ivy. shitty yeah. Poison Ivy costume. I mean, I saw little girls dressed as Poison Ivy because it is the laziest costume. I'm not... It's true. Kids can dress as what they want. Green tights and some leaves. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. I, if you can do a great Poison Ivy costume, good for you. But if you're just doing the green tights and leaves thing, I am making fun of you in my head. <laughs> oh, uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, you liked that one. Yes. But no, what you really liked was uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, my uh, God. Gustav Fring with his face half burnt off pushing a wheelchair with Hector Salamanca. That was the most ingenious Breaking Bad cosplay I have and seen. And Hector was ringing a bell the, while he was moving, too. <laughs> I, d- I did see uh, a, a Walter and Jesse as well that were in the uh, yellow suits and, the, yeah, and had the, uh, the, the blue. Yeah, I have photos from Otakon. Were you here? No, you were not with us, were you? There was a, a, a white family outside. Okay. I just need to post it. It's... I have a backlog. I apologize. Uh, But no, there's like, I think people are, some people are starting to realize you need to really stand out if you want to be, you know, do cosplay. Beta Ray Bill that we saw in the, in the, uh, in, in, on the outside was actually really awesome. Uh, whole bunch of different Captain Americas running about, uh, different varieties. and Yeah, Winter Soldier is popular this year, Absolutely. obviously, because the movie's yeah. out. You even have Little Kids, which always weirds me out, because that movie <laughs> is not a kid's movie. Yeah, it's seen an eight-year-old uh, Winter Soldier running about. That's, that's kind well, of special. Well, I, uh, I think it was younger than eight. It was a little girl, and it was weird. I was like, I hope, I'm glad you like Sebastian Stan, but, <laughs> oh, that is weird. 
Yeah. You know, the cosplay is interesting. I, of course, always get a little bitter because I feel like people make, the, like, the con is entirely about cosplay, which I think is very misleading. It also, you know, oh, look at these nerds wearing these stupid costumes. And yeah. it's just, I mean, I, nothing wrong with cosplaying, but I feel like it is starting to kind of overwhelm the rest of the con. And I don't even think New York Comic Con knows how to handle it yet. They do not. Because you still have that problem like, oh, hey, 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 can I take your picture? Stop right in the middle of the aisle. Start taking the picture. You can't cross because they'll get mad at you and <laughs> it just stops all traffic. And then, of course, you know, and we do it too, is like if you see some a great costume and someone's already taking a photo, you want to jump in on that. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, they're already posed. You don't want to inconvenience them too much. But it's so horrible for traffic, and I think it's something they're going to have to start cracking down on more. Well, it's why I, I, I usually when I do that, I, I make sure that I'm either at the uh, the beginning of an aisle off to the side, or if it's in a a junction, it's it's away from the flow yeah. of traffic. Well, one of the things they're going to need to do because there are people who go just to take pictures of cosplayers, yeah, and they don't organize cosplay meetups. I know anime cons do cosplay meetups, like, hey, we're going to have an Avatar: The Last Airbender meetup. We're going to have an X-Men meetup and everyone is wearing a costume that's within that group, you know, a homestuck meetup and Mm -hmm. you you get like 300 people. It's ridiculous. They'll meet at a particular place. It's usually out of the way and then they can take photos. They can take photos with each other. And if you're not a cosplayer, that's a good time for you to go and take pictures. And I feel like that's what they need to do is organize meetups because people do actually like to hang out with each other and then advertise them like, hey, are you a big Lord of the Rings fan and love... Lord of the Rings cosplayers. Well, there's going to be a meetup on, you know, Friday at 3 p.m. If you can make it, that's your best time to catch pictures. Yeah. And I think that might mitigate the problem a little bit, but it only mitigates it for the people who are actually paying attention. Right. Because a lot of people don't it, read the program guides and stuff. Well, so. it would it would help if, if you make sure to uh, put that as a notification in the guidebook, guidebook app. You know, like even if you don't actually look at the the list, if it pops up on your phone that you know such and such is happening at such time, then that will make life a lot easier yeah. for people. I think. Yeah, I mean, if they just they do need to help with the traffic flow, and mm-hmm. they're going to have to take the step that I know PAX does. I think San Diego does, but I'm a little fuzzy on that. Is that ban strollers and carriages from the main hall? Yes, because yes, there I were agree. a lot of them, especially on Sunday, and. I, you know, I think it's very rude. It takes up a lot of space and people use them like, you know, cow catchers. Like, get out of my way. I have a baby in here. And if you stay in my way, that makes you a horrible person. Yeah. And it's like, we're not horrible people. We also don't want to step on tiny children. But, you know. Well, I mean, Vito Losanti's wife was even commenting about how, you know, people uh, didn't seem to care that there was a that there was a carriage, uh, you know, being being run and that, that they would essentially just keep mowing forward, even though she was going through an aisle or something like that. But there's there's very little that you can do in situations like that. You know, I mean, you know, what do you I, mean when somebody's got a carriage block in the aisle? Yeah, because it's just you kind yeah, you kind of like there's usually no place to go. Yeah. And it's kind of, there's also the whole, well, who actually has the right of way here? Right. Because you, I mean, you know, I'm a childless adult, so that makes me a selfish asshole, according to society. And I would say, you know, I am not automatically going to be like, oh, of course, you know, you who have bred children to bring into this world. I'm not going to automatically defer to that because everyone has a right to be there. I mean, okay, everyone who paid. Yes. I'm going to say it. Your baby didn't pay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and, 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 and you know what? Sorry, not to cut you off there, but scalpers. 
the scalpers that we uh, passed talking about people that you know paid to get in there uh, that there were scalpers that were brazen enough to be right on the corner of 34th street right as you're walking up to javits brandishing out their four or five passes in their hand trying to sell them to people as they walk by and i mean yeah you know we we went and we told security at the at New York Comic Con about it, but like, what are they going to do? They're going to wind up out there. Even if they get a cop, they're going to wind up getting them, and they're going to disappear for two seconds, and then they're then they're going to come back the minute yeah. that the cops are gone. It's ridiculous that even though you know New York Comic Con likes to say that there's only like two percent or three percent of the problem is scalping, they're at, they're right out there. Well, because they're saying, are they saying that two to three percent of tickets sold yeah. are scalping? And the thing is, that's still two to three percent of people who are not getting tickets. You're right. also you're not counting for the fact that how many people are getting taken in by this, buying these badges, buying badges, and they don't even know if they're real. Yeah, they could they could easily be counterfeit, and there have been plenty of counterfeits. They've even yeah. talked about that at the end of last year. I'm sure they're going to say the same thing this year: is that there will be people coming up there with completely counterfeit bullshit badges, and they they just wound up you know sinking their money on nothing. You know, it's just yeah. like getting counterfeit cracker tickets to the Super Bowl, all of the Simpsons, you know? Yeah. It's- well, here's here's a word of advice to everyone out there who might be tempted. There are way too many, un, like, unused tickets yes. at Comic-Con because, we, you know, it sold out months ago. And, you know, and there, were, there was a course of rush of, oh, my God, I don't have my ticket. How do I get my ticket? Oh, can I have a ticket? I need a ticket. And then in the week before Comic-Con, I felt like that was like the majority of my Facebook for a while was, hey, does anyone need tickets to Comic-Con? I have a friend of a friend who's trying to get rid of two passes. And then there was like another person like, yeah, we have an extra pass. And mm-hmm. I like people are overbuying and then not actually figuring out what to do with them until it's in, too late. Until a week beforehand. Or, or they have to cancel at the last minute, yeah. which is an issue. So it feels like you're always going to have some kind of solution. I feel like I wish there was a more organized way to get those passes into the hands of people that need them. Unfortunately, the only option is StubHub in that situation. Like, I mean, unless unless you do have like a, a network of friends on a Facebook yeah, no, group or something. It's going to have to be it's friend to friend contact because you can't even say StubHub because you'd be like, OK, I'm going to sell off my pass and I'm going to sell it at the price I paid it because I'm not a dickhole. And then <laughs> maybe a scalper buys it and then marks it up and resells it on StubHub for yeah. three hundred dollars. Right. Oh, and by the way, on Saturday at at the con, don't even bother attempting to go to a panel. Just don't, because there were so many people at the con on Saturday that the floor itself was was manageable if you if you wound up at the right part of the floor at the right time. But every single panel was was just like completely packed. You are very yoga bearer right now. Yeah, it's it's true though. What nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. (laughs) But. Yes, that is actually accurate. Like, don't don't even buy, unless you're going to wind up lining up, you know, two hours before a panel or even an hour and a half before a panel. I've always used Saturday. Like, I do want to avoid the things that are crowded. Mostly, there's no problem. If you are okay with waiting in line for an hour or two, then God bless you. If you get there early, you can get the wristbands even, possibly. But, you know, I always tend to feel like life's too short to be standing on lines, unless it's like the one thing at the entire con you wanted to do, and then mm-hmm. you're going to feel disappointed if you don't do it. But Saturdays, I find like that's like a time to go to the artist alley, maybe. Yeah. You could walk around the. No, if you're going to walk around the floor, stay out of the center area where all the big booths are and stick with maybe the back of the hall because yeah. people don't always walk back there. What do they call those early aisles again? I forget. The the block, I think, well, in the Well, that's Con? not the early aisles, but that's part of the early aisles. That's where they have the toy and uh, urban art right. stuff. Yeah. Urban art. You can't see the little <laughs> quotes I'm making with my hands. 
Uh, I know that the urban art section is where Jamal saw some of the, what he calls, stolen art. Yes. And that's kind of an issue. Like, in general, I get weirded out by that section, not because of stolen art, though I think that's an issue. But it means a very specific subculture. It's I saw, like, lots of uh, pot artwork, and yes. I'm just like, really? Really? Like, this too doesn't. Oh, you know, I'm just gonna curl up in a ball and go to sleep. You that know? that's a legitimate art form, maybe, kinda, maybe. Yeah, there was, there was the pot there. I did pass a porn star or two. That was kind of fun. <laughs> I don't get offended by it. I just kind of like laugh inside a little bit. I'm like, yep, the funniest. Th- not funny. It was sad. It was tragic. It was almost sad. Virgil esque <laughs> was when I walked by Sergeant Slaughter oh, with nothing to do. Aww. He was just sitting in his booth, and I'm thinking, I used to watch G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. I remember him. I remember the little. You know, the live action things. And I know he was a wrestler and stuff. I yeah. didn't give a shit about that because, right. you know, I was a girl, not a boy. Because <laughs> I'm totally gendered in some aspects. There are plenty of female wrestling fans. I know them. Yes. I never said that girls don't like uh-huh. wrestling. I'm just saying I, I still sometimes would be like gender roles. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a girl. I have to watch My Little Pony. <laughs> but but now only only like 30-year-old guys watch My Little Pony. What are you talking about? Oh, man. But yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. So sad. And... Uh, Kitty Corner, or Cater Corner, depending on what part of the country, which phrase you like, was uh, Mike TV from the original <laughs> Willy Wonka film. Yeah. And he's good. He's, he looks good for his, I'm going to say for his age, but he's not that old. You got to figure that movie was made in the 70s. Was it 1974, 76? Again, someone's going to correct us in the notes and be like, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be in his uh, 50s at the most. Yeah. So, you know, he looks okay, but it's kind of like... I love the movie, but no. Yeah, I don't need to pay for an autograph from from Mike TV. I, that's not something I. I would pay for an autograph for Lucy, from Lucy Wallace. Uh, I just didn't want to wait on the line. Yeah, and I know she was sitting next to Manu Bennett, which you know, and Manu Bennett yeah. is hot. And uh, Finn from Adventure Time was not too far down from there. There was a time we walked by the booth where Jeremy Shada. I, I think say. so. Yeah, and there was nobody at his booth either, and I thought wow. that's so awkward. And but what I really found bad was when we walked by and there were actually people there and he was being such a bored teenager on his cell phone and i wanted his i'm assuming his dad to just kind of smack him and be like (laughs) pay attention to the girls that are getting ready to squee over you Uh, he's a cute kid i mean he's entering his teenage years so yeah i i want to talk about my swag the swag that we picked up real quick and then i want to mention the uh, the plus panel that i went to on sunday which was very much the the highlight uh, app, well, with American Dad for that matter because we'll talk about that we'll a little talk bit. Talk about but, American Dad. You can talk uh, about swag if you want. Yeah, but uh, I I picked up there was a booth selling a whole bunch of like five dollar uh, image and uh, other th- if you want to call them third party or smaller publishers uh, uh, books for five bucks a piece and I got uh, Revival uh, volumes one and two. I'm pretty sure that just about all of this runoff came from Walmart. Because there, there were a bunch of Walmart tags. When you showed me the booth, I saw them, yeah. Yeah, and including some waterlogged books, too. So that was that was the weirdest part of it. Probably sold off at some tag sale. I guess so, yeah. But yeah, I got Revival Volumes 1 and 2. Uh, I picked up that book when we were in the Artist Alley, the uh, the image book that uh, that our friends... Rat Queens. Thank you, Rat Queens. Yeah, uh, I pointed that yeah. out. I was like, I should get that eventually. I should yeah. read it. I mean, I like that Image does $10 trades for the first volume. Yeah. I don't like... And I know I'm going to anger somebody with this. It's like, <laughs> I hate when I'm in the artist alley and people have their books on sale. And we're talking about books that were actually like offset printing, you know, done in a big printing house on a big print number. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're high quality books and they're still selling them at cover price. And look, I know the money's going to the artist and that's cool. But at the same time, if I'm a regular attendee, I already paid tens of dollars, you know, to be right. in there, whether yeah. it ranges from a single day pass to the 94 bucks, 95 bucks mm-hmm. of a full, of a four day pass. Yeah. And I'm Plus probably tax. in there to buy a bunch of other things too. And I look at your book and I'm like, maybe I don't know you. So I could have you sign the book, but to be honest, like having someone sign a book that I haven't even read and I don't know this person, it's not a thrill. It's not an added bonus until you're already a fan of it. Yeah. So I'm looking at it and you know, you're selling it for 15 and the cover price is 15. It's kind of like, well, the signature doesn't mean anything to me at this point. It would mean something more after I've read it. I could just go on Amazon and buy it. Yeah. And again, you're saying, well, supporting the artist, but I've worked at a bookstore. I know that bookstores pay 50% of the cover price. You're right. So the artist's share comes out of that 50%, like after it's already been taken by the publisher Mm -hmm. and, you know, the editors and the printers and all that stuff. And their share of a, like, well, let's go to a $10 book instead. It's going to be very small. While if they're selling it at the show, they're getting 50% of the price there. So they could reduce it just a little and still make a healthy oh, yeah. margin yeah. there. Yeah, say like a $10 book if you reduce it to 8 Yeah, just a small little yeah. thing because you're still making a lot more money. And to me, it's it's more of a sign of respect for your cons- this consumer's like time and money. Totally. Because like, too much, I find, is like predicated on guilt. Like, Don't you want to support me? Don't you want me to create more Art. Well, even like yeah. uh, at at the big name boots back at the uh, back in the dealers room, uh, the buy one get one deal that uh, what, what was it Harper Collins? Uh, yeah, had? Well, I mean, mind you, that's the p- actual publisher, and they just want to get people into their books. Sure, and I mean, because I'm sure, I mean, sure, like a lot of the stuff is series. It's just going to make you buy more stuff. But yeah. I'm just but again, but, but, with, but with the buy one get one, if you wanted to get uh, you know Ready Player One as an audiobook, that it was full price, that it was yeah. full price at forty dollars, and we went on Amazon. Okay, and we well, this that is was a different 21. thing from what I'm talking about, yeah. which is like there's always the argument to be had, like I am an artist and you need yes. to support me, and I always and I. You know, we have many artist friends. I adore them. I would someday like to actually produce something that you people would want to buy. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like it's disrespectful of the fact that people have to work for their money, it's too. It's understandable, yeah. You know, if someone's making minimum wage, right. and then they save up for months, and they want to go to this con, and I feel like guilting them, like, well, I I do this book for you. Why wouldn't you want to pay full price for it? Like, because that person saved up for months to come to this con, yeah. and, you know, they have very limited amount of money. Like... People aren't reading less because Amazon discounts books. They're reading more. Yeah. I'm sorry for this rant. It's a little bit long. I just, it's just my little thing is if you're selling a book that is, you know, that you mm-hmm. did not print yourself yeah. with screen printing and you assembled it. And like, if it's something well, you had, maybe you could take a dollar like, off, what was, you know, what or was, put, throw in a freebie. Yeah. Like what was worth it for me was like when I, when I went to the Action Lab booth and Nick Marino, who, who I interviewed for the show, was selling his holy fuck uh, number one. It was an exclusive cover to Action Lab uh, for New York Comic Con. It will never be reproduced. There were only about a hundred of them, and I wound up buying that for ten dollars, even though it was a one, a, you know, one issue because I really liked the cover and I liked the art on the inside. Well, so I figured I'd support him. I feel that like, makes yeah. more sense to me than selling a regular retail book for full price in, in the artist alley or even on the dealers uh, on the dealers for well you know? i first of all when did ten dollars become the standard price for convention variants good question every single convention variant i saw was ten dollars yeah. every single variant cover i saw was ten dollars i 
didn't see any I liked enough to spend the $10, so I did not spend the $10. Uh, but yeah, like, um, yeah, you bought Rat Queens. It was full price. You had the guy sign it. I mean, I wish it was cheaper, but, you know, we'll check yeah, it out. I wanted to buy uh, Amy Reader's Rocket Girl, but mm-hmm. I was also like, eh, you know what? I'd like to read it first before I commit to, like, yeah. her signing it or whatever. By the, time, by the time we walked by the trades. She were sold out, gone. so good. Yeah. You know, she still had hardcovers, yeah. but, you know, she at least a lot of people bought it. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what else, what we were talking about. Well, well I got uh, I got my Chris Anka sketch, my, uh, my $60 bulletproof sketch to add to my Invincible collection. I was very happy about Chris Anka hiding at uh, at booth G four because <laughs> uh, he was there with Babs Tar and uh, just you know took a couple of commissions each day uh, just for you know quick More sketches. More than a couple. Don't abuse the English language. It was actually a couple. He only took about six per day. A couple is two. So he took six per day. He took a few each day. All right. A Sorry. Few. Come on. We got to have some preciseness in the English language. Okay. So he- mom would be very embarrassed by you right now. So Chris Anka had a few uh, commissions per day, about six. He drew six. a few nudes, Yes, he, he did draw a few nudes as, as requested. On his Tumblr, yeah, yeah. You can see him on his Tumblr. There was nude Loki, nude Thor. I did not request a nude bulletproof. I just got myself a bulletproof bus sketch for, for 60, and I was very happy with it. Yeah, that was, that was cool. I hope he's not pigeonholing himself as the nude artist. <laughs> I hope not. The nude artist who draws uncut dicks. <laughs> I enjoy his dicks. I enjoy them very much. (laughs) But, you know, it's like, oh, oh, honey. Oh, honey. Oh, Uh, oh, God, I love, I do love Chris Anka, though. He's so fantastic. He's awesome. He's one of my favorite artists, as many people who have listened to Comic Timing know by now, because I will not shut up about his art. But I I am very much a fan of what he has to offer. And, uh, oh, and I picked up my uh, my stray uh, Kickstarter uh, backer reward in person uh, to save Vito the shipping charge, so that that Aww, was nice. You're so sweet. Yeah, and and you'll hear an interview with them either on this episode or the next episode. I haven't decided how I'm going to release the interviews yet. And uh, oh, we got pen, we got pins at the uh, Wheel of Fine booth. Yeah, you bought a cat bug pin that was a penny arcade mm-hmm. pin. Yes, so you got that. I paid for the uh, Mary Sue pins that they just released with their logo. Yeah. You know, and you know their logo's changeable. It's different female artists. So this one, I mean, not for artists, uh, characters. So this one has Chell from Portal, uh, Yohora, Hermione Granger, and then the limited edition, like, only you only get it if you buy the set, I guess, is Wonder Girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because I was actually clicking through their logo today to try to see what they also have. I would have <laughs> liked a Carmen Sandiego. Oh, man. That's my favorite of the Mary, the Mary Sue ones. I just It just looks cool, like. Maybe that'll be in the next set. If they do another set. Yeah. I mean, they said that the one we bought was the second, the the, the next to last one, so. Yeah. Ooh, talk about the uh, the screen the screen printers. That was you really, really love that, fun. don't you? That was really cool. I When I was walking through the hall, I think, to meet him, I passed by a booth of, it's called Tiny Fish Printing. They do custom printing. You can go to their website, like, if, oh, I want to print a 500 shirts, and they, they do it for you. Their booth was kind of cool, though, because they were selling custom-made shirts the shirts would be made on the spot uh you can choose there were four designs you uh choose one of the designs you choose the shirt color and the size and then they would print it there for you they'd put the shirt on the uh the rack they had the the giant spinny rack with the the four arms of each design and the i don't know i know somewhat about screen printing (laughs) i do have books that i have read but i've never done it myself but they you know they they, they print it, and then they dry it for you. So when they hand it to you, it's still warm, and the ink isn't running off or anything. And yeah. the four designs, there was a, a one that was, like, for Comic-Con. It was, like, a 
doodle of like a show floor, which was sort of supposed to be New York Comic Con. That's the one I got. I got it printed on a gray shirt, I believe. Yes, I got it. I got a red shirt uh, zombie peppermint butler, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, there was there was a peppermint butler. Then there was a Pokemon uh, Game of Thrones slash Song of Ice and Fire matchup. Hodor. Yeah, it was a like I guess it's supposed to be Brand throwing out a Pokeball and Hodor comes out of it. <laughs> And then the last one was uh, said permadeath, and it had like little video game designs yeah. around the words. So they were nice shirts, and the colors. Five dollars. Yeah, they were five dollars. You just had to like them on one of their social media outlets, which was Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. They don't have a Tumblr. Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, if only if you guys had Tumblr, because then I follow them, and then I can reblog their their stuff because yeah. I have my fashion Tumblr. But that was cool. I mean, we uh, you know I told him about it, and we went back and we paid the five bucks, so we both got shirts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I bought, we bought from Busted Tees, we bought some shirts. Yeah, and, uh, you, you got your spaceship, spaceship, spaceship. Yeah, a friend of mine has it, don't care. She lives in <laughs> Seattle now, I'll never see her again. I got a Star Lord shirt, and I was very happy about that. Yes. And, yeah, so. and uh, the Adventure Time uh, Wheel of Fine New York Comic Con shirt, which was uh, very, very nice looking. Yeah, which didn't actually sell out. If it did sell out, it didn't sell out to the last day. Yeah. I was surpri- I'm surprised by that. I know. I, I, I think Reed actually manages to have a, a decent amount of the shirts. I think because they're okay with just selling it online. Yeah. Selling it online or selling it at future shows, which right. is what they do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, swag-wise, what else did I get? Did you pick up any books? I bought Pipuchu from Vertical Press because mm-hmm. I would always see that, like, we're friends with Ed Chavez mm-hmm. from Vertical, and we always say hello to him, and I would see the book on the table, and it's got, like, this girl with these huge enormous tracts of land and <laughs> i was just like yeah every time i saw it but then i was like reading a description of it and i found out it's about like a kid who, who goes to a comic shop every day and is obsessed with this one particular anime and i'm just kind of like it's a nerd book <laughs> so i figured i'd buy it and you know it, like i bought it for 10 it's normally uh i think 12 so mm-hmm. i was like yeah that's okay yeah it's like a small discount not a huge one right but you know it's always appreciated when there's like you know absolutely. a few dollars off going back to what you said before yeah absolutely. it was it was nice yeah. i mean it, usually if you go on sunday ed just does not want to pack shit so he's, <laughs> well that, that's the case with everybody i mean really I yeah mean. i think the retailers are getting wise though yeah because i used to go to the publishing aisle because new york comic-con does try to organize by uh, type of retailer and content and stuff. So there's a publisher's row. And I think the past two or three years, I'm trying to remember how many years back it goes, I usually just stay there, uh, you know, get get there around 4.55 <laughs> on Sunday. And then wind up with a bunch yeah, of Yeah, because they'll just throw stuff on the table. They yeah. do not care. I got a, cover, a copy of Habibi, mm-hmm. which is like a $40 book. It's huge. If you've ever read it, it's fantastic. I got the World War Z uh, audio Yeah, I think. Book. Did I grab that for you? You did, yes. Yeah, I grabbed that for him. Yeah. Last year and the year before, I got a Star Wars audio book. And this year, we got, uh, for, for me, uh, Ready Player One. That was uh, the only thing we were able to grab. Yeah. I actually asked. I'm like, are you guys getting rid of any of these things? They're like, yeah, eventually. I said, can I just take this now? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, my boyfriend hasn't read it, and he's never going to read it, so I need the force <laughs> to. So now you have to read it. Yes, because- I yes I do. I do actually have to read it. In fact, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to read it, uh, if not next week, then next week. It's, it's a fun book. I mean, yeah. I've seen some people have problems with it, but I enjoy it. It's very seeped in 80s culture but it's a it's a fun book i mean this is not a uh let's talk about sci-fi novels podcast yes even though i went on my rant about star wars scoundrels you know before yes you did yes you did and 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 i laughed (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, th- that's I think really all I can think of swag. Oh, except for the swag that I got from the Marvel Digital Plus panel, which I'll which I'll talk about uh, yeah. now. I might as well. Yeah, well, here I'm going to lean back because I don't <laughs> need to be in on this part while he well, talks. All right, so I, I bought I bought a Marvel Digital Plus subscription the week before uh, Comic Con. Uh, obviously, you guys had heard me talk about uh, wanting to get one on the show because you know the last couple of episodes I've been like, yeah, you know, it worked out well for me after the ninety nine cent month, and I stuck with it for a month afterwards. I then canceled the, the subscription, and I'm like, you know what? There's a good enough deal here for me to go for it, so I'll buy it. So I had spent the ninety nine dollars, and I got the subscription. Of course, then finding out that for the entire weekend of Comic-Con, and it's still valid today. I don't know if it will be when this episode is out, but uh, they were offering plus for $69.99 instead of $99.99, so I could have saved 30 bucks. but whatever, I got it. Ian Levenstein, forever bitter! <laughs> <laughs> it includes a, a Rocket Raccoon, uh, essentially what the Build-A-Figure was for the uh, for the sets uh, that, that came out uh, not too long ago of uh, Marvel Legends figures. Uh, that's the uh, Rocket Raccoon uh, that uh, that's uh, that I'm going to be getting, plus uh, a couple Rocket Raccoon comics, if I remember correctly, uh, and a digital copy, I think, of both of them, plus a discount on digital comics and a discount on the Marvel Store. Plus, I got to in- attend the Marvel Digital Unlimited Plus members-only panel Sunday morning. So I got my ass up early, and I left with Adam and Comfort that day, and uh, we all headed to the con together. We got there at about uh, 10.15-ish, 10.20, uh, said my goodbyes, and I walked on over to the panel room. And the pa- the panel room was, uh, I-, I guess, about a medium size compared to some of the other panel rooms at, at, uh, at Javits. Plenty of room for the, uh, the people that were online for it. And uh, everybody who attended the panel got swag bags. I got myself a, uh, a Marvel Now poster with the uh, the Falcon cap on it, as well as Superior Iron Man, you know, the, the, the Apple iPod Iron Man. I think Winter Soldier is on it, if I remember correctly, and a couple other people, whatever. And I got a copy of a variant uh, sketch cover of uh, Guardians 3000, which is pretty cool. The panel itself, uh, it they had a couple of uh, creators on it as well. Nick Spencer was there. Bendis showed up. Uh, Axel Alonso was on there. Obviously, yeah, I see of Marvel right now, and the uh, the head of digital, uh, Ryan, uh, I forget who his last name is, but uh, Agent M essentially on Twitter uh, was there. And they talked about some projects. They showed us some pages for things that had never been seen before, some all-new X-Men pages, some uh, canny X-Men. We got to see a little bit of the uh, the Miles Morales appearance that's showing up in all-new X-Men, which should be pretty cool. So that just happened. Uh, Variety, Variety just released an exclusive. Sorry to cut myself off here. Robert Downey Jr. is going to be in Captain America 3. That has just been officially announced. Uh, I guess more from that later, but yeah, that just happened. So great, Civil War, yeah. uh, Civil War, twenty fifteen Marvel news, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. joining Captain America three. This is going to be really, really interesting. That's all I'm saying. Well, to uh, yeah, not to cut off Ian's thing. It's just that I, I'm like he's talking about the panel. I'm going to look at my phone real quick. Yeah. Well, that is actually relevant to what I'm talking about because uh, once they were done revealing some comic stuff, they went ahead and showed us clips that had not been seen outside of the Marvel uh, 
uh, dealer exclusive panel, uh, or that is retailer exclusive panel that uh, they ran, I think on Thursday night, if I remember correctly, at the Javits uh, beforehand. They, you know, they have essentially they have retailer summits and they showed these clips there uh, originally. The first clip was of uh, Asian Carter. Uh, so we, we got to see a, a clip from the pilot of that, and it showed uh, both Agent Carter and Howard Stark. Howard's about to go off uh, jet-setting, I think, somewhere in Europe, if I'm, I remember correctly. And we see our first glimpse of Edwin Jarvis. Jarvis is a person. He's a real man. It makes me very happy inside. We also learned that he goes to bed at 9 because uh, he wants to uh, apparently watch TV and then go to bed at 9 with his wife. So he's available to Peggy Carter anywhere up until 9 every day. They didn't have TV back then. I mean, it was invented, but nobody had a TV in. Well, then I guess maybe radio. Maybe they're talking about radio. I guess they're talking about radio then. You know that people have sex at night, right? The actual line in the episode was that they, they watch blah, 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 and then they go to bed at nine. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll just have to see this. All right, then. Maybe they didn't say watch, but they definitely said that they were, that they were specifically going to do something at eight o'clock that involved either radio or TV, and then they were going to go to bed. Again, I'm waiting for somebody to be like, well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, but either way, uh, yeah, we get introduced to that, and uh, they, they showed that clip, and it, it looked really good. I mean, I'm looking forward to this just as much as I'm looking forward to any of the movies that are upcoming uh, from Marvel. And then showed us the click, the quick clip, which is now available online, of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. Uh, just see Rocket blasting a few things. Some very, very Flash animated looking scenes in that. I'm not exactly thrilled with the animation style, but it, it, it is very colorful. I will say that uh, with the backgrounds that they used. So yeah, Rocket's shooting up a few things, and then you see a a. Uh, not Chris Pratt impersonator Peter Quill uh, say a few lines, which again I'm very happy about. I freaking hate, and this is one of my only problems I have with Avengers: Earth Mightiest Heroes was that they hired a uh, Robert Downey Jr. impersonator essentially to be the voice of Iron Man. You don't need that, you know. You could just have a voice actor that embodies the character. You don't have to go and copy what's already been there on live action. So uh, yeah, we showed that, and then. They went with the two movie clips, first of which is Ant-Man, which they showed. Uh, it, it had uh, a voiceover running throughout of Martin Sheen, Hank Pym, re- feeding lines to uh, Paul Rudd's uh, Scott Lang. It uh, looks like uh, Scott was going to uh, sort of uh, grab some sort of part for Hank Pym. I wasn't sure whether or not he was stealing it or whether he was obtaining it one way or the other. But uh, yeah, he was he was helping him out there, and you see a shrunken Ant Man uh, trying to get the attention of an ant to fly away on, and uh, that is exactly what he winds up doing. He's having some trouble with the helmet, of course, because you know, hello, action and suspense. Ooh, it can't just happen right away. But eventually, he gets he gets on it. I'm still nervous about this movie, but the the clip that I saw was fun and funny. Uh, so hopefully that's a good sign for what's to come. Uh, I, I know that you're not exactly uh, thrilled about uh, the Ant-Man movie coming up with all the changes that, that have been going on. It's, I mean, the thing is Marvel's made pretty good movies. Not always great. I mean, there's a few weak spots here and there. But it's just when a movie has this many like creative team shuffles and delays and yeah. everything, the end product is never really spectacular. Mm. It's sometimes It might yeah. be serviceable, but... 
I mean, one, we were, you know, the Janet Van Crime. Everybody was peeved <laughs> off by that. And I still think it's just dopey as hell. Yeah. But it's, it's like a show that changes showrunner midseason. You know, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not something that, uh, that really has the cohesion well, that it show, should have. A show is different, though, because each episode might be written by a different person. True. And there, there are episodes that will feel exactly right. And there are episodes that make not a lick of sense. Like, like um, season four community. Yeah. A movie is expected to be a coherent, a solid piece. Like, shows, the idea of a show as a solid, consistent piece of media, like a season, is a more is a modern invention. Mm-hmm. Like, now we have DVD sets, and then Blu-ray sets, and Netflix, and Hulu, and, and every other streaming option, Amazon. Movies, you're kind of, you kind of expect them to be coherent, and yeah, movies that have a lot of creative team shakeouts tend to have a lot of problems. I'm thinking of how... As much as I love it, uh, Ratatouille was weird. Mm-hmm. Like how it has one plot with them trying to do the whole thing with the will. Yeah. And then it switches to the whole trying to get back that star on the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know why Brave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say why Pixar keeps coming up. But Brave also had creative team problems. And well, that, that, that's because Pixar has had a lot of creative team problems. Yeah. <laughs> Pixar is definitely losing. It's weird because it's almost like finally that final merger with disney started to suck their lifeblood out yeah because disney is of course getting better i'm looking forward to big hero six not yes. that we saw anything at the con involved no, we did not but we did see the most recent trailer online and that that looked really good yeah i'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to this i hope it's good i mean you know it's cute right and and that's and that you know it was a good sign to me that the ant-man clip that we saw did seem like it would it had you know at least humor going for it which is, you know, something that, that that would have been brought had the original creative team stayed on it. So well, all of the movies have had some humor in them. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can make a Marvel movie at this point that doesn't have humor. And mm-hmm. that's that's their trademark to distinguish them from the DC movies, right. which are darkness. Yeah, which they've specifically, you know, multiple outlets have reported that DC essentially said, don't make them funny, which is just weird when to me. When you give an order... To say, oh, this shouldn't be funny. Don't make this funny. Yeah. Don't don't have any humor in it. You know what you end up with? M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. What a twist. It was a shitty movie. What a twist. Well, I'm referring to the fact he actually specifically was like, yeah, no, I know. it's the middle of a war. He took out all the fun. That's yeah. essentially what he did. I actually found that kind of disrespectful to say, yeah. it's a war. People aren't making jokes and having fun in the middle of a war. I'm like, you have never been in a war. Yeah. Like, I, neither have I, um, you know, I've never even been a soldier. Like, my dad probably would have killed me. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he was, so. But, you know, the one thing I have learned is that soldiers crack jokes yes. all the time. Right. They do, they, they have pranks, and they do all sorts of things to mm-hmm. just take their mind off the really yeah. shitty situation sure. they're in. Yeah, and, and speaking of humor, the fourth clip that I saw, the clip of all clips, the clip that everyone was waiting to see at the panel, and I'm sure you guys uh, in in podcasting land cannot wait to see it yourself when they release a trailer for it, is uh, we got to see clips from Avengers Age of Ultron. And it started off with a scene around a table as uh, the entire Avengers team, including Rhodey for that matter, so it's nice to see Rhodey in there. 
are sitting around a table and they're trying to lift Thor's hammer because Tony doesn't believe that it's a worthiness thing. That there's got to be some sort of trick to it. So, yeah, Tony tries to lift it. Of course, he can't. He goes and grabs his Iron Man uh, armor to try and lift it. And he can't. Then Rhodey comes over and they both try it at the same time. And that doesn't work. Hawkeye gives it a slight tug and he's just like, yeah, I give up. Uh, Hulk uh, goes, uh, Bruce Banner does it. He's doing his Hulk noises the entire time to try and, I guess, maybe trick it out or something like that. And that doesn't actually work. And Captain America makes it budge ever so slightly, Mm. ever so slightly before he he gives up. And uh, then Thor picks it up again and uh, essentially says that, uh, no, I just I'm pretty sure that you're just all not worthy. And uh, Black Widow doesn't even try because she doesn't want to know whether or not she's worthy because she knows she's not. She's got red in her ledger. I hate that. <laughs> I know some people love her. It's okay. It's, it's it was it, yeah yeah you you've you've convinced me it was a shitty line. I, I and I, I agree. She I did not like Black Widow until this year until Captain America Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yes. I think they gave her a lot to do. Mm-hmm. They made her interesting. Yes. she played off of uh, I mean you know off of Cap off of Chris Evans really yeah. well. So it was nice. Yep, and. Uh, once this is complete, a, a piercing sound comes in and in walks in a incomplete uh, Ultron, James Spader voice and all, with a Avengers logo on his uh, on his chest as well, uh, just a very small one, uh, and, and essentially saying that uh, that everyone at this table are not worthy, that they're all killers, and that uh, they deserve to be punished. Mm-hmm. And then we see the full trailer essentially after that a whole bunch of shots of uh what appears to be a war zone of some sort a uh, thor uh doing some battling captain america looking very battle ravaged hawkeye trying to save some civilians black widow getting in there as well tony saying that this is the end of everything that he started that everything is falling apart and uh we we see some more of the shots, and then eventually, uh, the, through this entire uh, point, there's a song playing the, the, about a uh, a world of strings, if I remember correctly. I forget. I, I don't know who actually sang it, but... And, oh, look at me, actually looking things up to make sure that I get them right. It's actually a version of I've Got No Strings from the Walt Disney production, originally sung by Dickie Jones, and the, the version in the trailer for Age of Ultron is a much, much creepier version. Still don't know who sings this version, uh, but it is a female voice, and I'm sure we'll get more information on that uh, if this version of the song shows up in the final trailer that's released to the wide public, which it very well might be because it very well might be because it, God, it's creepy. Whew. We now return to me talking. Uh, there's uh, at the end a fully formed Ultron uh, essentially says that there are no strings on him and he does say at one point that he has a vision that he has a vision that he's looking to enact and you get to see both the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the in the action scenes they show but no vision yet so that's that's still left to be revealed and uh, we then get the logo flashing by after Ultron, and you all think it's over until uh, there's Tony and a cracked Captain America shield. And uh, we all know what that sort of symbolizes in the Marvel Universe. So this is going to be uh, interesting whether or not they go fall of Captain America here or somewhere else down the road. 
but uh, the clips were the clip was so good and it got such a positive reaction that right as they were about to ask questions or answer questions, Bendis goes over to the mic and says, eh, "You know what? Screw that. Let's let's watch it one more time." So they went ahead and we, we watched it for a second time. Then there was time for about you know five minutes worth of questions. This was absolutely worth the price of admission. This was like essentially I don't need to go to San Diego Comic Con. That's what this was to me. As long as there's a plus panel at New York where I wind up getting to see some of the stuff that, that people got to see at San Diego, there's no reason for me to to go and spend the money on a flight to San Diego. So I was a very, very happy camper. It made me happy inside. Well, whoop de freaking do. <laughs> <laughs> Although now I know that I can bring a plus one, so next year you can come with me. Whoop de freaking do. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> You know you would have enjoyed it. And come on, how awesome was it when we got to see the Iron Man uh, clip at San Diego? That was cool. I mean, my, we were there for the Disney panel. Though, I know. So. I know. We weren't even expecting to be, you know, as happy as we were to see it. And then it was it was awesome. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, it all sounds cool. And the, uh, again, the thing says the Captain America, was was it Captain America 3? I was mentioning, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, they said he's close to signing. So, for all we know, Variety could be talking out their asses. But right. they're usually not. Usually, and, usually when they say something's an exclusive, they're and that it is, true. it is civil war. Okay, so, like wow, that was fast. Yeah, I know that's that's going to be interesting, uh, especially since Steve's supposed to be looking for Winter Soldier. So I guess maybe maybe they're going to work that into the movie as well. I mean, who knows? Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, the let's talk about the American Dad panel real quick, okay. and then and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, that was that was actually kind of kind of fun. Uh, I. I like that they showed us the whole first full episode uh, in, in the first, uh, you know, 25 minutes of the, of the panel or whatever. Oh, I mean, TV's now usually like 22 minutes. So yeah. but you got to figure 45 minute panel, 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's that's half the panel. I mean, there isn't sort of an ease to it because it means you don't have to have people talking as long. But yeah, they showed the whole episode. It doesn't debut for the rest of the world until next week. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Yeah, I well, I did have that moment of like, am I laughing because I'm in a room full of people laughing, or am I laughing because it's genuinely funny? I think it's it seemed hilarious, it so did. I'm gonna hope yeah. that it does play off as well on an actual broadcast yeah. as it did in that room. Uh, the plot of the episode was yeah. there was there's two plots because you know this you can't have a modern TV show without <laughs> these two plots except for that episode of The Simpsons this last Sunday yeah this week's weird. yeah the the last episode of Simpsons was weird because it was very straightforward and it felt kind of flat like we're so used to seeing uh, a plots and b plots yeah so the a plot was that um, Haley decides to you know die she says die but bleach her hair yeah. blonde so people will pay more attention to her. I mean, it's it's kind of obvious that, like, you know kind of where this is going from there. Yeah. But, you know, so she starts, like, going to, like, charity events, but they're bullshit celebrity charity events where nothing really gets done. And she just kind of becomes, you know, down the rabbit hole and she loses herself. So that's, like, one half of the episode. Like, it's her and Roger get get on this boat with, like, what was it, what was it called? DJ Monkey Fist? Something like that. Yeah. And the uh, the B plot was that Stan decides he wants to live in a gated community, so he drives Steve down to this gated community that's under construction, and they break in, and they start hanging out inside the house. I love that it was originally because of all the flyers on his wall, and then he realizes, wait, wait, flyers are amazing! Yeah, this I'm not going to ruin the visual gags involved in that, but yeah, he just like becomes obsessed with flyers, yeah. and one of them was for a gated community, so they go to this gated community, and then they have a run-in with some security uh, guard dogs. Yeah. 
Not to spoil too much. Those no, are the no, plots. Yeah. We're not telling you any mm-hmm. of the gags. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and, and there are some really good gags in there. I mean, one of the earliest ones, anyone who lives in New York will very much get a kick out of. Uh, but uh, what, what was what was great was uh, the panel itself. I mean, we had just about the entire uh, voice cast in there except for Seth MacFarlane when they came out at first. And, and and right away you had a guess as to who as to who was going to come. Well, out. you know, they, I, I, I'm looking at it and I'm just kind of like, oh man, wouldn't it be awesome if uh, you know Patrick Stewart were to walk in because he's at the con. So then when they have like the, the empty chair and they're like, yeah, we got one more person. Oh, it's not who you think it is. And I'm like, if it's Patrick Stewart, it is who I think it is. And he goes, it's someone better. I goes, yes, it's Patrick Stewart, dude. I mean, come on, and it was Patrick Stewart. It was. Patrick Stewart. Yes, and and he he was the life of the panel. Absolutely. What I like, what I enjoyed about the panel was that even after they're like, okay, we're gonna light up for questions, and of course, like half the room stampedes up there. Not all the questions were directed at you know Sir Patrick Stewart. In fact, not many of them were. And even when people did ask him a question, they didn't ask him about Star Trek. They didn't ask him about X Men. They didn't even ask him about. You know, the two plays in repertory, even though he mentioned them <laughs> yes. while he was on the stage. And, and one person did did, did thank him for it. Uh, at that. Yeah. Although my favorite was the it was a guy who who apologized for wearing a shirt that said that, that Kirk is better than Yeah, uh, than it was Picard. like top 10 reasons why Kirk is better than Picard. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart did mention, I had not heard about this, so forgive me for making this seem like it was a big announcement, mm-hmm. but that he is doing a stars show produced by Seth MacFarlane mm-hmm. about a detective. Yes. And they already have a two-season pickup. Yeah, like that, that was what drew them the stars, is that uh, all these different networks were committing to a pilot when stars was like, we will just go ahead and give you two seasons like right away and, and make this happen. And and that's and that's exactly what happened. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. He said the filming's going to start in January. Yes, I think. so that should be uh, that should be fun. Yeah. Uh, so if it starts in January, that means the show will probably air in June. So that'll be cool. June or next fall. Yeah. Um, I don't really know Stars' particular schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, the only schedule I keep track of is HBO, right? Because everything's so tightly uh, programmed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then they'll have some holes in the schedule now that like two. Three like shows, yeah, yeah, three yeah. shows are running. Well, I think. Uh, after they have the last season of Newsroom coming up, yeah, we have two more episodes of Boardwalk Empire. And mm-hmm. for anyone who saw it, oh my god, yeah, but, <sighs> um, sigh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure you're gonna do an episode with like the TV catch up, <laughs> Walking Dead. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 premiere of Walking Dead was uh, kind of very to be talk about fast paced and tight packed. Like that's exactly what we got there. We, we, we got out of that situation pretty quickly. Fuck that storyline. That storyline's stupid. <laughs> We're gonna do this instead. I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody yeah. because you know I don't. You don't want to have to be like I want to listen to Comic Con and then I got to turn this podcast yeah. off. Cause no, you're no, my no shows you're right. Much. You're right. Yeah, but yeah, no. The the, the, uh, the American the, Dad panel. Yeah, the American the American Dad panel was a lot of fun and. Uh, I will probably try to attend similar panels like that in the future. Like I, I like screenings. I do like screenings at at, at Comic Con are a lot of fun. I mean, we we went even you know back in the day we went to a uh, that Marvel uh, Ultimate Avengers or whatever it was screening of that uh, straight to DVD. I don't even remember that to be honest. It was you, me, and Mikhail? I remember uh, at at. Uh, I seriously do not remember that. Did I grab a T shirt? I think you might. I have. remember grabbing a Grand Theft Auto T-shirt, but I thought we were watching a DC movie. Then yeah, maybe that was a different one. Yeah, because yeah. I I got a free. Somebody left a medium-sized Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars T-shirt. Yes. I still wear it. 
I found it on a chair. I think I thought it was Wonder Woman though that we grabbed that. Up. That might have been, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I have no, I don't remember. Wonder this Woman song. was the year after uh, the Marvel, uh, the Marvel one. Yeah. So yeah, but well, but. But I don't remember at all. It's fun watching things in a, with a bunch of people. You know that that's that's what I that's what I've learned. It is it is a lot of fun watching things in a theater atmosphere. Any final thoughts? Uh, besides the fact that I'm extremely tired and I can't wait for the weekend. It, yes, yes, and, and 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 we're recording this on Monday, so no. Any 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 final thoughts on the con? It's fine. It was not my favorite year. I I know I'm ending everything in a question like Valley Girl, but it's kind of like. I feel like New York Comic Con is very repetitive mm. at times. Like, the the booths are all the same. And the layout hasn't changed. I mean, that's good. If they find a layout that works, they should keep it. But, like, I don't feel like there's anything really... Ex- like, if you go every year, it's not going to be a vastly different experience. Yeah. I mean, when I went to San Diego last year, it was the first time I'd been there since 2009. So it felt still kind of shiny and new but you you know you can kind of like when you go to cons i gonna say when you go to cons as much as we do <laughs> you get a little bit of fatigue i mean ian's got his like fresh face i'm not behind a desk thing but i'm yeah. just kind of like oh i gotta walk <laughs> oh look it's more booths with dollar comics yay and, and that's why this this year was so good for me i feel like like this was this was very much a, a new experience in in that aspect and i did get to see a lot of the con that i hadn't got to see before but at the same time, by Sunday, I felt like I had seen the entire four, you know, two to three times. So there wasn't really anything new to to catch my interest there, which is why I'm glad that we went to panels uh, on yeah. on Sunday. You know, that, mm-hmm. that made things new and interesting. So, yeah, no, overall, it was a positive experience. I am going to release the uh, the interviews that I conducted as a separate episode early next week. Uh, I did get about four or five, and uh, some of them are long form. So the Vito interview, I think, went about a half hour, and uh, I know that uh, my time with uh, Nick Marino was about 20 minutes itself. So, yeah, uh, look, look forward to that. I, I had this interview with uh, Juan Castro and Tom King in there as well, and I actually forget who the other one was with. Uh, it was at David Peterson's booth, but it was somebody that I'd never met before, so you'll get to meet him as well. And that's just about it. Thank you. Good night, folks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a beautiful time. Uh, th- this episode is sponsored by uh, DCBS Disc on Combo Service. Check them out at DCBService.com. 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades. 40% off of Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse single issues. And use your Comixology storefront to save even more off of your monthly order. We thank them very much for their sponsorship, dcbservice.com. Email address, comictiming at gmail.com or at facebook.com slash comictiming for all of the general discussion. And uh, if you want to send us an iTunes review on iTunes, you can go ahead and do that, but I stopped caring about that years ago. So for Chris, I'm Ian, we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And as always, there's always time for comics. No, there isn't. You have a huge pile of comics you haven't read. Shut up. Ruining the illusion. I'm gonna pee on your backing boards. <laughs> no!
Cleveland Municipal Stadium. <laughs> and their, 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 their new stadium is so much nicer than this. Yeah. Did God. they share it with the Browns? I think they might have actually. Because, no, at the beginning of the movie, the, the, the sign outside that says Cleveland Oh, Browns. okay. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. We're a Major League Baseball team! Because <laughs> that's what they're saying here. I you know. know. Again, I have seen this movie probably like 20 times. <laughs> Alright. Here we go. Yeah. Don't move forward like that. Sorry. He's pulling the mic away from me. He wants me to talk louder and hurt my throat. Nothing could possibly go wrong. wrong.